You can have a seat wherever you are with us in the room or at home. And again, if you uh, weren't with us a few minutes ago, I just want to welcome all of us, right? All of us in the room, all of us at home. Uh, This is uh, just a, and I'm just full of gratitude, right? We We've come so far, it's been a long seven months, and we're so grateful to God, that's why we worship. But we're also grateful, and and you wouldn't have any way of knowing this, but there are so many folks that put in so many hours um, to help us get back to where we could receive you safely and and do this and and slowly build towards um, a full, safe environment. We're fully safe, but you know what I'm saying, when everybody can come back at their choosing, but to be able to have the, the tech and the, the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to put everybody together online. Uh, we didn't know how to do that seven months ago. We didn't know when we could do that, and we're doing it uh, today, which is so cool. But it's obviously some tough stuff going on, right? It's not the easiest time to be alive. I heard Jimmy Fallon this week say that the most popular uh, Halloween candy this year was um, the candy cigarettes because even the kids are stressed, right? So they need a little smoke, right? I thought that was good. It's been, it's been a lot, right? And back in March, if you were with us, back in March when we had our last service, but we didn't know it was going to be our last service, right? If you'd have told me then that we would not gather in this room again until November 1st, right? I don't know what I would have said. I, I wouldn't have believed you, right? I at the time, and I, and I mentioned this in some of our online stuff, at the time, I just wanted Easter, right? I don't care if it's two weeks or four weeks or six, like, just don't take Easter. We got to be in this room for Easter, right? Little did I know that that wasn't happening in any way, shape, or form. I, I don't know if I'd have been able to, to receive that news. But on the other hand, listen to this, church, if you would have told me in March, Everything that has happened that God has done, right, that would have blown me away too. If you'd have told me that the Easter that I so desperately wanted to have here live that we ended up doing online, remember that, right? I planked. Remember that? Anybody been planking? I don't think I've planked since that video, right? But we did an online service for Easter. If you'd have told me that we had people come to Jesus through that online service. We had people make decisions to follow Jesus for the first time through our online Easter experience. If you'd have told me there's a dude named Kevin that some of you met in our online study that was invited to our Easter service from one of our people, but he was invited uh, even though he lives in New Jersey and he gave his life to Christ through our Easter service in New Jersey. If God can save people in New Jersey, right? What can he, can I get an amen? Can we hate on New Jersey a little bit, right? And fun. If you'd have told me we'd be live streaming, if you'd have told me that our worship team would be so consistent and leading us every week from this stage and from their home some weeks, right? If you'd have told me that we'd be streaming our services without, you know, successfully, like not ugly and glitchy like it used to be when we tried it back in the day, but it actually works tech. If you'd have told me that our If Women's Deal, our Bible study for our women's, it used to be a conference that was so important to our church, and it, and it went virtual this year. If you'd have told me there'd be 50 plus, 50 to 60 women that joined online and joined in home. Some of them were live, some of them were virtual. And instead of doing it in one day, they spread it out over five weeks. And to see women's lives that will never be the same as they were because we 
found a way and Joy and her team led through that so well, if you'd have told me. We do an all church Bible study this summer online through the book of Philippians. And we see people, we see scripture come alive to people that scripture had never come alive to before. If you'd have told me we'd have men, 25 men, come to an online men's Bible study. Some of them driving in their car through the Zoom like we can't see their face, you know, but they're listening in. And for five weeks, we walked through some beautiful things with men. If you'd have told me in March that during this pandemic, we would find and partner with our local partner that we've been looking and praying for for years. And we support several things. When you give to Relentless, you give to a lot of places. But we've been looking for somewhere to kind of put our flag down and for God to connect us with a ministry just a mile from the building, mile and a half called With Love From Jesus, who's been doing incredible work for way many years and feed and clothe and all kinds of things for an incredible amount of people in our city. And to see our first team last October, we now own the third Saturday every single month. We own it as a church. We're gonna keep sending volunteers and that's just the beginning. And we had a beautiful group of servant leaders the third Saturday in October, and we'll have another beautiful group the third Saturday this month. Now we're not just writing a check. Now we're involved and entrenched with a beautiful ministry, with a beautiful name called With Love from Jesus. You'll be hearing more about that. If you'd have told me that we have new people at our church, people that I've never met except for online, I've never met them in person, right? I don't know if you're here today in the room. But there's a group of people that have come to know and be a part of Relentless that didn't know and be a part of Relentless in March when we were having services. And I've hoped to meet some of them today, but also I'm trying to like, you know, lay low and because I'm a hugger and it's hard for me to obey the rules. So I'm just going to try to lay low. But how cool is it that God brought brand new people in the pandemic that a lot of us have only met online? And how, how amazing is it if you'd have told me this is what's going to go down in March and you'd have told me that. We wouldn't have a live service for seven months and that our giving year to year in 2020 would be above where it was November 1st, 2019, right? I don't want to, you know, put my faith out there like I got a lot of faith, but I don't know if I'd have bought that back in March. So I say all that to say, yes, it's been tough, but God is good. Amen. And there's proof. And I got a list. I could go another four or five services, right? About all that he's done and is doing and with our church and with us. And some people ask, you know, how are we doing? And that's, that's a loaded question, right? We're beat up. We're, we miss. Like, I love it that we miss each other, right? Some of us are just mad. You're just mad. And basically, because we don't have coffee and donuts, you're just mad, right? You're just in a bad mood because of that. And that's all right. We're glad you're here. But our community, our church family... Right, God's moving. We're okay. We're, we're actually more than okay. We didn't take seven months off. Right, it's been different. It's been challenging. But God is still a relentless God. He doesn't give up on anybody. And anybody means everybody. And everybody means you and everybody you know. And he has been relentless in loving us and walking with us and being patient with us and helping us become the church that he called us to be not even in the pandemic, but especially in some things that he taught us we'll be talking about in the months ahead, that long after the pandemic are over are gonna be part of who we are and how we function as a church. I keep using that word, we, how we function, right? There, I don't know what you think of when you hear that word, we, right? If you, if you raise little kids you know, in the same decade that I did, you think of Mario Kart, 
right? We, not W-E, but W-I-I, right? I don't know why they called it that, right? It's such a weird word, we, but I was, like, I can't hang in video games anymore. It's passed me by, but Mario Kart, to this day, yeah, I dominate, right? Dominate my kids, make them cry when they were little, right? And just, except for uh, Rainbow Road, like, I could never remember that. Like, that one just, oh, I hated that course. But that's not what I'm talking about, we. I'm talking about we, right? There was, a, there was a couple at a church that I worked at in Kentucky. They were named Jim and Rhonda Chisholm. And they were country, right? And they would have all these phrases, these country phrases. I called them Chismisms, right? And a lot of them you may have heard if you're country, but I'd never heard of, you know, a bunch of these phrases. And one of my favorites is we'd be talking about something. I'd say, hey, yeah, we're going to go over and, and serve in this, or we're going to go do this. And I'd say, anytime I'd say we, and, and Rhonda or Jim, if they're around, they'd be like, what, you got a mouse in your pocket? Right? You heard that old guy? And I'm like, the first time they said that, I was offended. Like, I don't know what that means, but I don't think you should say that to me. What are you talking about? A mouse in my pocket, right? Eventually, after they said it over and over, I caught on. Like, when you say we, it's a, it's a, it's a country way of saying, who is we? We ain't me. We is you. Who is we? You must have a mouse in your pocket. You must be talking about that's the we you got, you and your mouse. Right? So when we say we, there's a lot of we going on these days, Right? And sometimes you might hear me say we, and you might be thinking, you got a mouse in your pocket? Who are you talking about? Right? We, we use that word really naturally in sports. Right? We, we just say that. Hey, we beat y'all. Right? We could, I can go up to somebody who played against, my team played against their team. I don't want to mention any names. A week ago, yesterday, and I can say, hey, we beat y'all. And I mean, we beat y'all. I didn't play, and they didn't play, but we say we beat y'all. Right? Even the team, we're starting to get back into basketball. I'm coaching my daughter's team, and we had a, a, an early just beginning of, of practice and scrimmage. And, and I said, hey, we won. We, I didn't play. Right? I'm a coach. I didn't do anything. Didn't make one shot, one rebound, one nothing. But we naturally say, even when we do nothing, hey, it's a we thing because we choose sides. We align ourselves that way. And that's in sports. What about politics? You heard any We? Lately, we're going to win, right? We're going to do this. We, they can't stop us, us and we and us and we. And it's talking about a, a candidate or a party with the upcoming election. And, and if you haven't noticed, most of politics is designed to divide us versus them. And if we, can, if we can get you to buy in that there's a line and anybody who sees or votes differently is on the opposite side and they're the enemy, it's an us versus them mentality. And then your we is whoever sees the world like you or whoever votes like you. And this morning in our first Sunday with, I like that word vast to use, with a hybrid service, we got some folks in the room, we got some folks watching online. I wanted to talk about the greater we. Right? There's a we that's greater than your sports team. There's a we that's greater than your neighborhood. There's a we that's greater than where you came from. And there's a we that's greater than your political party. People have asked me, they see me out and about, like, hey, when y'all, when y'all going to reopen? Right? When y'all going to have church? Right? First, we, we don't have church. We are the church. We've been being the church. But I know what they're asking. But it's kind of alarming, right? And not everyone says that. It's just happened a few times. I want people to say, hey, when are we opening? When are we going to have services? But sometimes people come, hey, when are y'all? When are y'all? It's like, wait, is it y'all or is it we? Well, that's a big difference in how you ask that sentence, right? Some of you have. I, I see some of your faces. I asked them to turn the lights up, which they did, and I can see 
your faces because what I was not gonna do after seven months is come in here and preach to the dark and, and believe by faith that you're here, right? So I can see your faces. I'm not calling anybody out, but I know how some of you, I know where some of you have been. Some of you know the feeling, some of you don't, but you can figure this out. I want you to feel this if you've been there. You ever been to an arena where you're the visiting squad? I'm not talking about rec league stuff with your kids. I'm talking about like a sports event with tens of thousands of people where you're wearing the visiting team's colors and everybody's against you, right? I remember that feeling, right? Jackson and I, he was like five years old. We were in Rupp Arena, so we're outnumbered thousands to one, right? I know there's probably 100 Carolina fans in the place and you know, Rupp Arena is the largest college basketball arena in the country, I think, right? And just, just the colors can bring some words that we don't say, right? Some looks. It, depending on how the game goes or if it's football and it's outside and you're like, it's intense. And if you're wearing, if you're the one where everybody else is against you and your team, like it can actually be dangerous. You, know, you can read headlines about people and assaults and violence based on the jersey you wore to the game. But in those moments when I'm like, hey, you know, this is who I'm, I'm proud wearing my stuff. And then you're walking through the concourse or you're going to the bathroom or you're going to your seats or whatever. And across the way, you catch eyes with someone wearing your stuff. You catch eyes with somebody wearing the same color that you're wearing, the same logo, the same team, right? I don't have to know anything about that dude. I don't have to know where he lives. I don't have to know how long he's been a fan. I don't have to know who he voted for. I don't care about any of that. I see him and I feel the hate and I feel everybody against and I see somebody on my side and automatically I love that dude. Right, and I'm gonna speak to them. If we're walking away, we don't need to stop and have a conversation. Oh, how long have you, where are you from? I don't need all that. My man, that's all I got. My man, what's up? My man, yeah, we got, they're all hating and we know why they hate, but I got you, you got me. I don't know anything about you. I don't need to, you're wearing what I'm wearing. And that connects and unites us. Church, that's supposed to be us. That's supposed to be, that was supposed to be us and it was us and it has been us and it can be us again. Let's be honest, that's not us today. Not in America. There's some things that unite and divide people that seem to run deeper than our faith and that was never supposed to be. And in the sports analogy, it's what color, what logo you're wearing. Well, what are our colors, church? What are we known by? We are known by some basic, simple things. We are known by our love. Not conditional love, how you treat me will determine, no. We are known by the love that Jesus poured on us, we get to pour out on others. It's not easy, it's not, it's not possible in our own flesh, but it is who we are. They will know us by our love, by our grace, by our mercy. We are known. Our colors are Jesus said he wants us to be great and the path to greatness is how we serve other people. Not based on how they respond to our service, but we love people by serving them. And Jesus said there's nothing wrong with wanting to be great. Just I'm going to redefine greatness as those who serve. That's Jesus' church. That's our colors. We're known to fight different. God never said don't fight. He just said we're going to fight different. We're going to use weapons, not like the weapons of the world that we hold in our hands. We're going to use weapons of spiritual battle and prayer and faith 
and the Holy Spirit in us. And we're going to fight against, not against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not humanity. Our enemy is spiritual forces of evil that rise against broken, hurting people. That's how we fight. And in that fight, we walk with a confidence because we know that we will be victorious. It's not a hope. We'll talk about that next week. It is a confidence that the victory has already been won. That's we. That's who we are. Who is your greatest we? In your life, like what, what, is, the, what is the we that's the strongest, most powerful we in your life? Right, I got plenty of we's in my life. I'm a Jones. We are the Joneses. Is it your family? Right, is it your sports team? Is it where you come from? Is it how you vote? Or could it be that our greatest we would be the family of God? That nothing would rival that in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. Please don't tell me that Jesus' ability to unite is less in this room than it is for teams that we're going to cheer for later today, some of you, 53 men in professional football jerseys who you've never met, who don't know you, who likely don't care about you, who are playing the game and making a ton of money and are very gifted, but they probably wear a different jersey in a few years, right? Some of them really care if they win, some of them not so much. Please don't tell me that God has less ability to unite his people than a sports team in whatever city has the ability to unite a fan base. We got something nobody has. That's the we. This is, we're not joking about the multi-ethnic family of God. It's not a subset. It's not a way down here in the fine print. It is the gospel that Jesus on the cross brought us together that we would be his family, his multi-ethnic, multi-generational family. Diverse in voting, diverse in age, diverse in all kinds of perspectives that he would make us not tolerant, but that he would make us family, that, that there's a we, that you may be standing in line, right? If you're one of the very, very, very few voters that hasn't voted already, if you may be standing in line Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, and you may be voting for whoever you may be voting for, but that if you see or have a conversation and you find out somebody around you is a Jesus follower, that there is something that you don't have to know them that unites you with them deeper, deeper than anything else on this planet. That's what we're striving for. Multi-ethnic family. Now, you can do church virtually, that's not that difficult. It's hard to be family virtually. It's really hard because, you know, you're not seeing each other. You don't know how everybody's doing, right? That's, that's part of the reason. Like there's some reasons we waited till November, right? A lot of church has been going for months. And there's some reasons that we didn't wait till January, right? We need to be family. And there's some things we just can't do virtually. So we're taking steps to be the we that God called us to be. Now, as we get into this unshakable, brand new series, four-week series starts today, right? We need to admit that in the we, individually, like we're all the we, but individually, seat by seat, we can be shaken, 
right? We can get shook. It happens to everybody, right? And in all kinds of ways. I, uh, we were laughing the other day, my wife and I, or she was laughing at me to be more truthful. When, when we went to, she's uh, down here sitting with my mother-in-law with my oldest son, Jackson. When we went to the hospital, we were getting ready to adopt Jackson. And this was the trip to the hospital where we were going to we were going to leave with him. Like we were going, husband and wife, and we were going to leave with him in the back seat, in the car seat. This was it. And I was shook. How do I know? Uh, because evidently in a very uh, not busy parking lot at the hospital, I ran smack into that parking island curb. Like just not just nicked it with a tire. Like I ran all up on it. And Kelly's like, what are you doing? What's wrong? I was like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see it. I don't know. Well, how do you not see a park? Like I was shook. All right. I was, I was getting ready. I was going into that as a, as a man. I was going to come out of that as a dad. Right. And I was going to be driving a little precious, fragile baby. And I just couldn't, I was shook, right? Some of you have been there. We all get shook by something. One of my, one of my I don't want to say spiritual gifts because it's probably not very spiritual, but um, back in the day, right, when, when basketball passed me by and it was, uh, my brother was on the team, um, but I wasn't, uh, junior, senior year in high school, and we had a really good squad. We were, we were three seconds from being state champs. That's another story. I'm a little bitter about that. But our, our student section was top notch. Right. And I was a I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I was a key part of that top notch student section. And we would try to shake the other teams like, well, the, the crowd really can't have an impact on the game. Yes. Oh, you, you see how different sports are with or without fans. Right. So our job as a student section was to say things. Some things probably crossed the line, but a lot of things were just in fun. But uh, we grew up in Winston-Salem. All right. And there was at the time eight big high schools and we were one of them. So some teams it was harder to shake than others. But some teams like they were our rivals and a lot of the guys knew each other and a lot of the school. So what we would do is, you know, we'd get to the cheerleaders and the cheerleaders knew the cheerleaders on the other team. And we would tell them to be smooth about it, not like, you know, interrogate. But somehow, some way we would find out. Out that number 13 just got dumped by his girlfriend, right? So we would hold that and save that for a perfect moment in the third quarter when number 13 is on the foul line and we would just perfectly just be quiet and then right when he dribbles, we would start as a student section. Jasmine, Jasmine, Jasmine. And if you're number 13 and you're 16 and you get ready to shoot a free throw and you just got dumped 24 hours later by Jasmine, that free throw ain't going in. Because you're shook, right? And I, now, that's the, that's the nicest version of some of those stories I can tell. Again, I, I ask forgiveness for a lot of the things that we did or said. But the whole idea was when everybody's looking at you and you're dribbling, what can we say or yell that will get you shook? And if you think that you're the man or you're the woman or you're the young man or the young woman or the old man or the old woman that is above or past, like, I can't get shook, stop. We all can get shook by life, right? I remember my, the morning of my wedding day, and I don't want to say I was shook, right? I was excited to marry this woman, but man, we got married too late in the day. That was a long time between waking up and finally getting there, and through that, I thought I was good, but my stomach said otherwise. Like, man, I just felt all kinds of things and feelings, and it's not that I didn't want to marry her. Sometimes your body and your feelings tell you you're shook, even when you're really not. I've had some feelings in the last seven months that betrayed what my true heart was. 
We all feel shook somewhere, somehow in life. So, so forget sports and marriage. Like, what about you and your faith? Spiritually, have you, have you ever felt shook? Have you ever felt, man, what am I doing? I don't even know if I believe what I believe. I don't even know this lyric, like, he finishes what he started and he, he won't let me down. I won't be the first one. He feel like, I don't even, have you ever just questioned all of that? It's okay. We all, in fact, a huge part of this series that I can't wait to get to in the coming weeks. A huge part of this series is the reality. Spiritually, everybody, everybody gets shook. Right now, that's going to look different. There's all kinds of varying levels of that. But at the end of the day, everybody gets shook. But it's not just individually. It's also a we, right? Not just you as a person. We collectively, right? Groups of people can get shook, right? Whole teams can get shook. Whole societies. You think our culture has been shaken the last seven months? Right? There's some foundational things that have just been shook, Churches can be shaken collectively, right? Leaders don't lead as they should. Sometimes leaders hurt people. Sometimes leaders choose sin, and then that sin eventually comes out, and then the church is shook because of what has happened in leadership or in staff or in whatever. And there's all kinds of other ways that collectively, Relentless Church, we can be shaken. We can be shaken as individuals. We can be shaken as a group. It happens. But the wonderful news that kicks us into this series and that kicks us off as we start this new season as a church, the wonderful news is there is someone and there is something that cannot be shaken. There is someone and there is something that cannot be shaken. That someone is named Jesus and that something is the kingdom of God, right? That someone is Jesus and that something is the kingdom of God. It cannot be shaken. Now, I use all those sports analogies. You're thinking, okay, Jesus, like he's someone that never gets shook. It's different, right? There's some guys, number 13, and we would yell his girlfriend's name or whatever, and he would smirk and look at it, and he would sink both of them. Like, oh, man, you can't shake that dude. That's not who Jesus is. It's not that he rises above it. It is that he is unable. Even if he tried to be shook, he can't get shook. He is so stable and so Buried in truth, he's so wrapped in it, he can't help but be the one and only. It's not that we can find this formula in a way where we don't get shook. That's not the point of the series. What's life-changing about what you're going to hear the next four weeks is a connection to the one who actually is unshakable that can completely transform your everyday life. When I say that the kingdom of God that's, a, that's, a, that's three words. It's all throughout Scripture. Jesus shows up and says, hey, the kingdom of God is here. What? Kingdom of God is here in first century Middle East. And here's this rabbi that didn't get the right degree and doesn't have the right, you know, pedigree and didn't come from the right place. And he's talking truth to power and he's making people mad. And he says the kingdom of God is near. Now, how, how do, what, what is kingdom of God? I love Dr. Tony Evans. 
Dr. Evans' definition of the kingdom of it's a comprehensive rule of God over all creation. His comprehensive rule over all things. Another definition of the kingdom of God is God's rule through God's people over God's place. Right? All of this is his. So it's his kingdom. It is his kingdom that we're a part of. It's his, his kingdom that, here, let me, let me read from, from Hebrews. This is a crazy, beautiful passage in Hebrews 12. It starts at verse 28 where it says, therefore. Now, we know we can't just launch into a verse that starts with therefore without knowing what there is there for, right? So let me sum up the verses leading up to that. They're not on the screen, but I'm going I'm to read them to you so we know what therefore is connecting back to. Listen to this, verse 26. It says, at that time... His voice, God, shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken. God's God's prophesying a time. He's going to remove what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. God is dividing everything with stuff that is going to disappear one day, and it can be shaken. It's temporary. And then there's stuff that's never going away. Then we get to our verse, verse 28. Therefore, comma, since we are, there's our word, we. It doesn't matter. I've been following Jesus for a few days, for a few weeks, for a few decades. Now, if you're not following Jesus, we're a church for you. It's the hardest thing, honestly. It's the hardest thing for this, for me in this pandemic, is we're a church that wants to see people far from God come to God. We want you to invite your people. We're not in a season where people are really open to be invited, and we're not in a season where we can fit everybody that we want to invite. That day's coming. I don't know if it's weeks or months. The day is coming. So if you're listening to us online or somebody sends you this message, right, we are praying that you would become part of the we. And there's a whole bunch of us that used to be on the outside of the we until God showed up in our lives. And if that's you this morning, you would say, man, I don't have it all figured out. I think I might be one of those people that are shook. But at the end of the day, I'm a follower of Jesus. My trust is in him. Then this we is you. Therefore, right, therefore is that God is There's some things that are shakable. There's some things that aren't. Since we, who's we? That's his people. Since we're what? Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We are the recipients of a kingdom that cannot, not just will not. It's not like up in the air, like watch out. It can't. There is no scenario where the kingdom of God can get shaken. Wow. So what do we do? Comma, next rest of verse says, so let's be thankful and let's worship our God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. We serve a God who said, you're going to inherit from me. You're going to be the recipients. We Right, what unites us, it's we are united. We are going to receive a kingdom. We are in process of receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We serve a God who never takes a vote. Right, we're so American. We're so caught up in democracy. Like we're so, that's all we know, right? And sometimes we can forget that we serve a God who never once is going to ask us, you know what? Let's let majority rule. 
He doesn't need your opinion and he doesn't need my opinion and he doesn't ask our opinion. He is in charge. He has given us a kingdom and that kingdom will not be shaken. We got we to gotta say some things. I feel like I can say some things today that you can hear better today than you can hear next Sunday. You know what I'm saying? We wanted one Sunday. Right? We pray. We had a date in August. We never announced it. We had a date in August that we were going to reopen the building and just felt like that wasn't what we were supposed to do. One of the things, it wasn't primary, but it was secondary. One of the things we wanted to open the building today, we needed, again, it's not lesser than second class. We're all together. So if you're listening online or if you're in the room, we wanted one Sunday before this election. As a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement, we needed to see some faces and to worship in the room together one time before whatever is about to go down goes down. Why is that so important to us? Because we're coming from all different places as a church. I think, in my experience talking to other pastors, more than most, right, we have some people that are strong this way. We got some people that are strong this way. We got some people that are strongly don't care. We got some people strongly as independents. And, and that is what it is. I'm here to say this. We have got to stop acting like the kingdom of God hangs in the balance. We, we've got to stop communicating. We got to see we're, we're coming back. So we're going to work. We'll get back to where we time it up. It's, I don't think it's you. I think it's me, right? All right. So clap away when you feel the Lord moving. You just do it. I'll talk over you or under you. We'll figure it out. But it's really important. Sometimes the way we communicate, whether it's online, oh my goodness, right? Whether it's online or whether it's in conversation. Sometimes we intentionally or unintentionally, we give the impression that Tuesday's result, man, the kingdom of God is, I don't know, like, I, hope, I, I don't know if we're going to make it. We receive a kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. Right? We're not, we're not, I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm not telling you you're not, not to be concerned about your culture or your country. I'm concerned, right? A lot of us from all kinds of different, like, it's okay to be concerned, but don't let your concern bleed over the line. What's the line where you start to wonder, are we, we who receive the kingdom of God, are we going to be okay? Stop. We cannot, our kingdom cannot Will not ever think about what the kingdom, think about how it started. Jesus, Jesus did it. You know, he showed up, he was a man 2,000 years ago, died the most brutal death. You talk about being shook. His disciples were done. He was a fraud and a joke. We thought he was something special. We thought he was God. He must not have been because he went out like that. They hid and wondered if they were next. And then a risen Jesus changed the earth once and for all, not just the earth, but everything about it. And then after Jesus hung out with him and taught him for a month or so, he left. There's a couple hundred people in Jerusalem without money, Without position, without power, without a building, the Jewish people, like they weren't welcome in the temple. The Greek people thought they were nuts. Their lives were literally on the line. There's no way that can turn into what 
The family of Jesus is today on every continent, rich and poor, every color, every language, except for those we haven't reached yet. Think of all the things that have come against the church of Jesus in the last 2,000 years. Like how many centuries before we believe, you know what? The kingdom of God cannot be shook. And please don't give the impression today or tomorrow or Tuesday or however long this takes to figure out who our president is. Please don't give the impression with your mouth or your life that you're wondering if we're going to be okay. We are because the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. And some people are like, whoa, 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 now bad things happen and things could go really, and you know, look at history and sometimes the church, like, let's, let's go there. Let's go worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, right? So a lot of people would be the church can't meet and the church is persecuted and, and, and pastor, you're going to go to jail. You're not going to be allowed to talk about Jesus, how you talk about him. You might go to jail. Every single time in the history of Christianity, when the church is persecuted, it grows. So if you just want to get brass tacks, what's the best thing that can happen for the church in America? Probably persecution. You see how the persecuted church is moving and growing in other places today in 2020 across the continent. It's not easy. I'm not asking to go to jail. I'm not praying for that. But whatever, whatever, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. I got to admit, this part of me that, that wanted to, man, we had, I hadn't preached to people <laughs> in a few minutes, and it's a part of me that wanted to wow you, right? Like, I looked, I spent hours, like, finding, I want to find this story, right? The story to make you cry, make you laugh. Woo, man, that's a preacher's story. Let's end with that. And God just took me back to, what is our statement again, right? Is it, is it story-centered? Is it humor-centered? Is it tear-centered? No, it's gospel-centered. What are we built on? We're built on the gospel. That's where our confidence comes from. So that's what I'm going to end with 2,000 years ago. We're talking about unshakable. Go read the the history, the documents that the gospel writers gave us. When Jesus died, the earth shook. There was an earthquake that immediately followed the death of our Jesus on a cross. And I cannot imagine the despair of those followers, the men and the women, the ones that were at the cross and the ones that had already run scared when he got arrested. I cannot imagine the despair to know he is gone. Our leader, revolutionary, the one that was everything, he's gone, dead, and they're probably going to look for me next. The earth shook. And then there was an unimaginably long two and a half days before with their own eyes. There was no incentive to lie, right? If you, if you go study all this, you know, there's, just, there's no logical explanation except Jesus rose from the dead and he started he instituted a kingdom that day there's a new 
way, a new covenant, a new kingdom carried by the church of Jesus that has survived and will survive through all kinds of insanity and including this week. And we, listen, the we is not your political party or your team or where you come from or the land. The we is the people of God that belong to the kingdom of God. That is the greatest we. We are told we don't belong here. We're supposed to feel like aliens. We're not citizens of here. We're citizens in heaven. We're supposed to feel like outsiders, aliens, and strangers in this world. We're just passing through for a minute. We are focused on forever. We're only here. Our life is a mist. And then we will be in front of our beautiful, perfect, wonderful God. That's the truth. And it's no less true this week. So our prayer is first for you, that you will have a life focused and built on the gospel, that God loves you and he proved it through Jesus and he rescued you for a reason, that you'd be adopted into his family. And now you would be recognized by our colors of love and grace and serving, greatness through service and fighting, not like the world fights. That would be who we are, but also our prayer is that whatever happens, Right? When I'm talking about the presidential election, I think there's two options, right? There's some third party, but as far as like, who's going to win? It's going to be him or it's going to be him. Either way, that the people and community and kingdom of God would advance this week. That how we react to whatever is coming, and if you know, God bless you, because I don't know, whatever happens in Carolina, in Raleigh, and in the world, based on the events of this week, whoever is or isn't, that God would be glorified in how his people react, that there would be no shaking in us based on who our man-made elected officials are. Does not mean don't vote. Don't hear that. Go vote. It's important. But that's not where our bet is. All of our money has been put. We've bet everything on Jesus and Jesus alone. So therefore, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So what do we do? Let's be thankful and let's worship with our lives, with our talk, with our posts, this reverent, worthy God who is a consuming fire. I'm asking you to stand and I want to pray us home and I'm going to let you know how we're going to exit the building. Father, help us be at peace as we talked about in the last series. Help us be at peace even when we're shook. Help us not be guilty when we feel that feeling of frustration or anger and anxiety or just being shaken. It's part of our human experience, but God, help us connect in this series like we never, ever have. Help us connect to the unshakable kingdom that you have put us in. Help us connect to the power of Jesus. God, remind us that there is someone named Jesus and something, your kingdom, that will never, ever, cannot be shaken. And help that give us confidence God, I pray your blessing on every person that's in the kids' rooms right now, 
that is in the kids' ministry. I thank you for every person that's sitting or standing in this room right now, for every person that's going to come to the 11 o'clock, and for every person joining us online. May we be the we, the greater we that you've called us to be, especially in the days to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's how we are going to, to do this. If you watched our video, um, we, we didn't mean to be so over the top. Like, you're not, we're not, we're not outlawing speaking to other humans, right? We, we, we can't do that anyway. Well, we wouldn't want you to do that. We just want you to be super respectful, right? So there's some folks that, um, and I'm going to be one of them after second service. Like, I'm not, because if I go out here in the hall, I want to talk to all of you. And they're like, for now, hopefully short, short term, for now, we're going to let those that want to get on out of here, just get on out of here. Just don't forget your kid. If you have a kid, don't get on out of here and then come back and like, I forgot my kid. So we're going to let you guys get on out of here. Um, and then after that, you can move about and do what you need to do. And then we'll, we'll be getting out of the building so the 11 o'clock service can come in. So this is the beginning. If you're at home, if you need to be at home, we love you. Join us next week online. If you're ready, if you wanted these guys to be the guinea pigs and things go okay, then we'll see you in here next week. Either way, have a great week.